Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, One Church in Global Locations. To find out more about Bishop Fortman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am. Because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Father, speak to us now tonight that we will move and walk in what you've ordained. Give us the ability to hit reset and how we see success tonight. That we would define it as you define it biblically and not how the world define it, defines it, not how Facebook defines it, not how Instagram defines it, not how Snapchat defines it, but how you define it tonight. We're hitting reset tonight on how we view success and we're going to talk about the side effects because most people under the sound of my voice, if they're applying what they're taught here at Harvest, they're already successful and just don't know it yet. I said they're already successful and just don't know it yet. So tonight, Father, we pray that you would give us revelation that would move us into what you have ordained, and that is that we would be on team, experiencing the best of the best, and we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five two or three people and say, let's talk about the side effects. Let's talk about the side effects. Let's talk about the side effects. You can be seated. Uh, specifically tonight, I want to talk about the side effects of success. If I was to give this message a subtitle, it would be to reset how you see success. Say reset how I see success. Uh, in this series we started this weekend, every now and then there's some areas of life where we need to hit reset and to have a new beginning. And in this life-giving message series, we're going to walk through how to reset and create new beginnings starting with ourselves. Somebody say, I got to start with myself. So, see, don't start trying to change stuff around you until you first change what's happening in you. Because until there's a reset in you, there will not be a reset around you. In fact, all you will do is continue to perpetuate what's in you. That's why the scripture says, out of the heart or the mind flow the issues of life. Meaning, everywhere you look, there you are. Which means, if I don't reset in me first, all I'm going to do is repeat the same old drama, the same old mess, the same old issues. And I don't know about you, but I think there's a few people in here tonight that say, I'm not interested in the same old drama, the same old issues, the same old financial problems, the same bad relationship decisions. Ain't nobody got time for that. Just your neighbor say, I'm not interested in that. 
Now, this past weekend, we began to hit the reset button in ourselves. And in today's message, I want to reset how you see success and teach you the side effects of success. And in fact, I encourage everybody, not encourage you, I implore you. I tell you, church, to go get the series we did called Success Made Simple. You can get it on campus or you can get it in our online bookstore watching right now as the MP3 downloads. In Sunday's message, we defined a reset. Uh, and, and again, get the CD through our mobile app or through auto message. I gave you three definitions. The first was to set a or differently say I must set again or differently if you keep doing what you're doing you're gonna keep getting what you're getting so just because you did it on a different day doesn't mean that you did it a different way if you keep doing the same old thing over and over again you're gonna get the same results and in fact that is the definition of insanity you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result you keep bringing the same crazy folk in your life and expecting they're gonna act different you keep making the same bad financial decisions and think stuff gonna be different it ain't gonna be different until you set again or differently the second definition it meant to move something back to its original place or position and thirdly to put something back in the correct position for healing say the correct position for healing. I ended with this story on Sunday that a snake sheds its skin by rubbing up against hard surfaces that agitate it. Let me tell you what's been going on in your life. Some stuff has been agitating the heaven, hell, and earth out of you. But what you need to understand is that's what it takes to make you brand new. You're not hearing me. God knew that it was going to take something that extreme, that painful, that uncomfortable to finally get you to hit reset, which means you need to stop being mad about it and start shouting about it because you needed the agitation because the agitation is setting off a reset in you. Touch your neighbor and say, you needed to be agitated. That's what makes the snake brand new. When it's shedding its old skin, it rubs up against hard surfaces that, in fact, help bring the old off of it so that it can walk in the new. Uh, it is the agitation that brings the motivation for it to hit reset. And to really hit the reset button in you, you have to embrace the agitation. See, here's what we want. Your neighbor wants comfort. Your neighbor wants peace. But I'm going to tell you, there is no reset in peace and there is no reset in comfort. You only reset when you get uncomfortable with where things currently are in your life. Now, now, watch this, watch this, watch this. It is showing you, the agitation you're dealing with is showing you something in you that needs to be reset. And it is in you, not around you. Say it's in me. Let me tell you something. Uh, another surrounding isn't going to fix your inner issues. That's why for every single person who thinks getting with somebody new is going to fix you, it's why you ruined that too. You know why? Because you didn't hit reset in you, which means you could get Hakeem coming to America. You could get the prince, the heir to the throne of Zamunda, and still screw it up because you are old you. Say it starts in me. Now, so today what I want to do is help define, redefine, reset how we see success by identifying success. Watch this through its side effects. I'm going to say it again. I want to change how you see success because as we're starting this series off, we need to change how we see success. Anybody want to be successful in life? I can't think of anybody that wakes up and say, I just want to be an average failure. I can't think of anybody that wakes up and say, I just want to perpetuate every curse in my bloodline. I can't think of anybody that says that. So to kick this series off, it is important that we redefine success and reset how we see success so that now we can properly judge the success of a reset. You missed it. How will you know the reset was successful unless you know how to properly judge success? Are you here, church? Real biblical success from Jeremiah chapter 1 is knowing and doing what you were created and sent to the earth to do with excellence. I'm going to give it to you again. It is knowing and doing. It's not enough to know it. A lot of people talk about what they're going to do one day. 
and one day has been 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Touch your neighbor and say, it's time. It's knowing and doing what you were created and sent to the earth to do. Watch this. And doing it with excellence, which means real biblical success is not just what you do, but it's how you do it. Got it? When you're doing this, watch this. Purpose wakes you up, not a paycheck, not people, not popularity. And if you're here and apply what I'm teaching you tonight, that's going to be the life you live. Now, the Hebrew word often used for success is the Hebrew word yathron. Note takers, Y-I-T-H-R-O-N. Y-I-T-H-R-O-N, yathron. It means to gain. To be better and to be excellent. Success. To gain, to be better. Which means you're not as successful if you're sloppy. To gain, say gain. Uh-huh. Now, y'all remember the song, no, to get gain, you're going to have to have some pain. So, so watch this. If you got some pain points in your life, you ought to be shouting because that means some success is about to manifest. Stop looking at pain like it's the problem. Pain means some success is getting ready to pop off. Some success is getting ready to manifest. In fact, next time pain comes, rather than pushing it away, say, come on over here because you're about to make me better. It, it, it means to gain, to be better, to be excellent. Now, the word successful in Hebrew, uh, that's the language of our Old Testament note takers, is shalak, T-S-A-L-A-C-H, shalak. It means to break out. To break out meant, watch this, something had you break down. Which means, watch this, to really judge if you're successful, I need to see you after you've been broken down. Don't tell me about your story on top of the mountain. I want to see you when, you when you was down in the valley. Tell me how you climbed up out that sucker. Y'all not saying nothing. That's the true measure of success. And I'm here to tell somebody, touch your neighbor, say you're successful and you don't even know it. It's some stuff that you should have died over. It's some stuff that you should still be mad about, but you climbed up out of your valley. Real success is measured by your ability to break out. Watch this, watch this, watch this. That's it. Uh, to break out, which means, which means, watch this. Your neighbor's already more successful than they know. Amen. You're not successful because you were, uh, 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 you were dealt a million dollar loan. I don't know, something like that. You were given a million dollars and you made that something. That, that ain't no valley. You're successful if you can be born in the hood. Y'all not saying nothing to me. If you can be dealt a bad hand but learn how to play it well. Maybe the hood ain't your story. But if you dealt with some family dysfunction or some family issue, what makes you successful is how you take drama and turn it into something great. How you take a bad hand and learn how to play it well. Based on that, your neighbor is already successful. Show me how to take two pieces of bread. That's successful. Say so that's success. What's this? What's this? What's this? It means it means to break out. To break out. Say break out. Then it means to be mighty. Which means God ain't into no. Uh, God doesn't like. Jesus was meek, not weak. Meek means submitted. Got it. He knew when to have strength, but he knew when he wasn't in charge. And he knew when he wasn't in charge, he needed to just back up, back up, so it wasn't on. Now, this is going to bother me the whole time, so I got to just turn this around because the V is supposed to be on that side. Watch this. Now, watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, he wasn't weak. 
Now, here's the deal. Here's the image Americans try to sell of Jesus. I just want everyone to get along. I just want everyone to come together. It's about coming together, folks. It's about coming together. Where's some trees and granola? I just want everyone to get along. Can we all just get along? I want everyone to get along. And come that ain't what he came for. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Now, maybe you have a different definition of a sword than I do. A sword means somebody getting ready to fight. Some of y'all, before your Jesus days, BC, you knew about a sword. You didn't call it a sword, you called it a shank. Y'all not saying nothing. Uh, some of you ladies, that's why your purse so big, because you was carrying some extra stuff up in there. Some of you fellas can't wear skinny jeans because you had some other stuff going drunk. Y'all not saying nothing. Jesus said, I came to fight. And anybody that gets in my way, good luck. This is what you're trying to say. The book says that to be successful means to be mighty. Touch your neighbor and say, you're mighty. Mighty means, watch this, either life's going to happen to me or I'm going to happen to life. Only one of those two things is happening. And I think I got a church full of folk that say, I'm happening to life. Life is not happening to me. I'm not a victim. I've had some people try to victimize me, but I'm not a victim. I've had some failures, but I'm not a failure. I've made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. I've got to be mighty. Touch your neighbor and say, be mighty. When Job was sitting up complaining to God about what he was going through, I like the way God checked him. A check is when somebody puts you back in place. And Job was like, God, this is so unfair. God, I can't believe that you're doing this to me. And God, this doesn't make any sense. And God, every time the poor needed money, I gave it. And God, every time somebody needed me, I was there. And whenever they called me, I'll be there. And I was there. And I was there. And then God just let Job talk. Then when Job was done talking, you know what God said to him? He said, stand up like a man. And he said, talk to me like a man. I don't care if you're a woman or a man tonight. Touch your neighbor and say, man up. God says, be mighty. Stop complaining about your life. Stop complaining about what's going on. And say something, do something, move something. Make it happen. Just your neighbor say, be mighty. But so-and-so don't want me no more. It's seven billion people on the planet. You better fight. Job 38.3, look at what he says. He says, get up like a man. Be mighty. Stop acting. He said, to, he said, man up, Job. You sat here complaining the whole time about stuff you can change. Because in the modern church, we teach people, oh, just wait for the Lord to change it. That ain't Bible. Amen. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, you did it. That's why it happened. Now, if you want something else to happen, hit reset. Bishop, I don't like where my finances are going. Reset. Bishop, I don't like the way my family's going. Reset. Bishop, I don't like the way my relationships are going. Reset. Bishop, I don't like my friendships. Reset. Bishop, I don't like where I live. Re I feel like somebody's going. Reset tonight. High five your neighbor. Say reset. So watch, watch, watch. It means be mighty. D then it means to go over. To go over implies something got in my way. I have this saying, no doesn't mean no, because you don't have that kind of power. No just means not this way. 
which means if I got to go around, I'm going to still get there. If I got to get a boat to go across, I'm still going to get there. If I got to just pull up my pants and hike them up a little bit and get a little wet while I cross over, I'm still going to get there. Is there anybody in this place tonight where you made it up in your mind, I'm still going to get there. If you don't want to go with me, I'm still going to get there. I, where am I getting? On team, the best of the best people, places, things. And I still going to get there. You want to hate on me? I'm still going to get there. Want to lie on me? I'm still going to get there. Want to talk about me? Bye-bye, because I'm still going to get there. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Book says, book says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises to judge against you, you condemn. Now, Bishop, how do I condemn it? It ain't just saying it. Watch this. Let me help your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, listen. The scripture says, Noah built the ark. It implies he did it in the face of opposition. They tell me, you crazy. Why was he crazy? They hadn't seen rain, so the concept of a flood was crazy. Watch this. But Noah, the book says, he condemned the world by finishing the ark. So watch Isaiah 54, 17 in context. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment... You shall condemn. Watch this. Watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, do your condemning. How do I condemn it, Benish? Bishop, I finish. So while they hating on you, I bet you I still finish. While they lying on you, I bet you I still finish. While they saying you ain't going to make it, I bet you I still finish. I bet you I finished. Anyhow. Uh, to go over. Then it means to be good. Finally, uh, uh, successful there. Shalak means to be profitable. Now, Joshua 1.8 introduces the term good success. Say good success. Which implies that all success isn't good success. And good success transcends money and material things. It's greater than cash, cars, and clothes. Uh, and bad success, watch this, is when things have you. Good success is when you have things. So says Matthew 6.33. Because successful people make the things, the things don't make them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, touch your neighbor and say, it's all right to have things. Say, don't let them have you. See, don't judge your worth predicated upon what name brand you can buy. Because watch this. When you really got money, you realize if it ain't on sale, I don't want it. Let me tell you the broke people. The broke people just get it to try to be flashy in front of folks that ain't paid for nothing. But folk with success say, baby, if it ain't on sale, I don't even want it. Just because you got money don't mean you spend money. So the next time somebody say, oh, that ain't so-and-so, baby, please understand, I could purchase them and you. You ain't saying nothing, but what success doesn't mean I need to, uh, uh, stuff has me. It means I can have stuff. Well, what's it? Say good success. See, watch this. We are not materialistic. Your cash, cars, and clothes don't mean you're a success. Let me prove it to you because the book says at some point the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred to the righteous. Which means all these people you think are successful and God ain't first, God says just keep on waiting because in a few days what I'm going to do is transfer and transfer. Be seated, what's this? (laughs) 
Successful people make the things, the things don't make them. Means it looks good because it's on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Now, now, here's what I need to get. Here's what I need to get. Say good success. good success. Good success is doing what you were created to do. Bad success is doing what you think you want to do. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, you're not your own because Jesus bought you with a price. Which means I'm not here to do what I want to do. Had I did what I want to do 10 years ago, I would have said no and put some extra words around no. Actually, I did say no. We saw who won that argument. And I'm glad he won. It ought to be a few thousand folk around the world too that's glad he won. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to plant a church and I really didn't want to plant one in Denver. But I'm so glad I did. Now somebody said, Bishop, why Denver? Because Denver, Colorado is in the bottom five of church attendance in the nation. Including Christians, Muslims, and Jews, 25% of the state's population attend. So let's just do a quick mathematical equation. If you've got 5 million people and you're looking at 20 to 25% of those people that are church, including Christians, Muslims, and Jews, how many people is that church? Who? Oh, my God. I don't want y'all to try to do it in your head no more. Just pull out your calculator, okay? You got somewhere between 200,000, 250,000 in the entire state, right? No. See, this is... See, see how, see how y'all do? No, that's not the numbers. So 5 million people, 10% would be. So 20% would be. Oh my God. Okay, let's just, let's just not do it. Okay, let's just not do it. Let's just not do it. See, that's how these politicians be getting over on y'all. They just say, and some people said. And the people be like, that's right. Say it, brother. Here's the point. <laughs> in the Rocky Mountain region, they call it the church planter's graveyard. Uh, 1,700 pastors quit every single month. And it's estimated that 50% of them quit from the Rocky Mountain region west. They call this region the church planter's graveyard, where church planters come to die. Got it? So if you're in the business of planting churches. Okay, let me give you another example that perhaps you can get with. Uh, soul food restaurant. Somebody said yes. Watch this. Now here's the deal. You can't put a soul food restaurant in a place where people don't care if they have soul in their food. They said, well, none of these places ever last because the, the populace here doesn't demand soul in food. Bishop, what is soul? Salt and pepper. I ain't even talking about the complicated stuff. I'm just talking about the basics. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if you're talking about I'm going to start me a chain of soul food restaurants and I'm going to make my headquarters Denver, the bank is going to say, okay, well, we so appreciate you coming out today. Thank God for you. Be encouraged. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say real success. Say good success. Here's the point. Here's the principle. I digress. Here's the principle. Is that since you've been bought with a price, you are not here to do what you want to do. You're here to do what you've been sent to do. Now, but you need to know that success has side effects, which means some of you may be successful already and not even know it. And some folk may think they are and they're not. Let's check the side effects. Side effects are interesting because with medication, for example, one pill may fix this, but it will create these other issues that are problems within themselves. 
Have you ever watched those commercials for, for medication that come on TV and they got these people just smiling and happy and all this and they're having a good life and then it says side effects include death. <laughs> but like how he's smiling like that when any moment he could there he be. Side effects include nausea, vomiting, sleepless nights, suicidal thoughts I heard from one of them. I said, oh my God, but the guy on the, on the commercial is smiling. I'm like, how are you smiling when the side effect of what you're taking might kill you? That's what's interesting about side effects is that success fixes things. But it creates some side effects that are other problems within themselves. Y'all not hearing it. There's no better example of the side effects of success than Joseph, who I've taught on before. In Hebrew, Joseph's name means the Lord continues to increase me. Say, the Lord continues to increase me. Genesis 39 and 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Wait a minute. What does the Bible call him? A successful man. What is he currently in Genesis 39 to? A slave. Wait a minute. God calls him successful as a slave to an Egyptian. How was that success, Bishop? He was dealing with one of the side effects. Oh, if your neighbor will come with me, I'm going to set him free tonight. Say, I'm resetting how I see success. All right, here's the first side effect. You'll seemingly be alone. You'll seemingly be alone. In Genesis 37 2, Jacob, who is the father of Joseph, his history skips over 10 sons before him. It skips over 10 sons before him. This is the history of who? Jacob. Where does it start? Joseph. It skips 10 sons before him. Maybe the students catch it. Because y'all had some math challenges earlier, so perhaps. This is the history of who? Ja and who's Jacob? The serger. Where does it start? Joseph. Okay. It skipped 10 brothers that were ahead of him. I'm just going to say it one more time because I got to move. Okay, 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 okay. This is the history of, put the verse up. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph. Let me tell you how your bloodline's being recorded. This is the history of whatever your bloodline is. It starts with you. And the reason you seem so alone is because you are the interruption to the dysfunction. God skipped over them and started with you. Touch your neighbor and say, God's skipping over them and he's starting with you. He doesn't even record the other 10. He doesn't even name them. And these were powerful guys, Judah. These were powerful guys, Reuben, Simeon. These were powerful guys. You know Judah prays. It doesn't even mention him. It says, this is the history of Jacob, Joseph. When they're reading about you years and years later from now, this is the history of Jones. This is the history of Foreman. This is the history of Jenkins, whatever your name is. This is the history of this one, you. 
God says, I'm going to skip the rest of them entirely because they wouldn't give me a yes. They wouldn't come to church on a Wednesday night. They wouldn't put me first. So I'm skipping all them suckers and I'm starting fresh with you. So the reason you feel alone is because God skipped them and he's not including them, which is why he won't let you include them because he's not including them. Which is why every time you try to pull them close, something goes wrong. Why? Because he says, I'm not including them and you ain't going to make me. This is the history of your bloodline. You. This is the history of your bloodline. You. Ah, this is the history of your bloodline. You. So when they say you think you're all that, this is the history of my bloodline. Me. What's the first side effect? Seemingly alone. None of Jacob's brothers were recorded in the history of the bloodline. They were skipped over. And God said, I am skipping all of them. I'm skipping. Starting with Joseph. So the reason you will seemingly be alone is because success requires a higher altitude. Everybody can't survive at the altitude of life you're entering into. Are you hearing me? Okay, watch this. When people come, when people travel to Denver from other places in the nation, they'll come here, and you know what they'll say? The air is so thin up here. Watch this. But because we live here, we're like, I'm used to that. I wish y'all helped me preach it. The altitude of life which you are entering as we reset, everybody cannot survive in that altitude of life. And God says every time you try to bring, watch this, Deuteronomy 22.10, every time you try to bring an ass where an ox can live, I'm going to kick their ass out because asses and oxen cannot dwell together. Read the Bible. Number two, here's number two side effect. So, so when you seemingly feel alone, that's the price of success the price of it and if you study any successful person that you deem successful in your life, you'll discover that they always felt isolated and by themselves it's the price it's the price now for those of you who thought I was being gratuitous when I said ask put it up Deuteronomy 22 10 thou shalt you read it ready read I've taught about that extensively I think I'm going to do a whole series on it Here's the second side effect. Now, I'm alliterating, which means they're all going to start with this. Seemingly alone, number two, small circles of trust. In Genesis 37, Joseph dreamed and he told his brothers that hated him already because he was favored by Jacob. And the Bible says they couldn't even speak peaceably to him. But they did speak negatively about him. Well, I says they couldn't speak to him. All their conversations had to be with each other about him. There are people who will never say the mess they say to others about you in front of you. They'll sit up and say all kind of stuff about you, but they can't. Hey, how you doing? Shalom, shalom. Let God let people like they'll do that to you. That's the price of success. Watch this. Joseph told him, and the Bible says they hated him. Now, at that point, Joseph should have excommunicated those guys. 
from his circle of trust. What does circle of trust mean? In the movie, what's the movie called? With the, uh, with the, what's the movie? Meet the, meet the Fockers. That's the name of the movie, folks. <laughs> now, watch this. He talked about the circle of trust. And, and he said, the daddy said, we can't let everybody in our circle of trust. And he said, and you be doing stuff that's shifty. I don't know if I can trust you. Joseph, when he saw how they acted the first time, he should have said, oh, no, excommunicated out of my circle of trust. Instead, he didn't know he was a success already. I almost broke the mic. And when you don't know you're a success, you'll act like less than what you already are. You're bigger than you already know. You're better than you already know. You're more successful than you already know. He should have excommunicated them. Let me show you what an ex is. He should have excommunicated them. But he didn't realize the side effect of success was having a very small circle of trust. He didn't learn the lesson the first time. So then he went back to tell them a second dream he had a second time. Then another side effect of success emerges. Number three, snakes on your plane. It's too many snakes on your plane. In Genesis 37, 18 through 20, Joseph's brothers, blood brothers, just by the way, for all you blood sticking in the water, no it ain't. No, the you know, Bible don't say that. That might be true, but you know, uh, <laughs> I mean that's just—I mean that's just a ridiculous thing. Blood is thicker than water. Okay, well, steel is stronger than plastic. I don't understand your point. Watch this. Watch this. Because some of y'all snakes look like you. Got your name. Got your blood. Joseph's did and if Joseph's did what makes you think you're so much better than him you know what a snake does snake bites to inject poison then a snake leaves so you ain't dealing with no anaconda so it can't eat you in the movies they only eat humans in the movies no 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 touch and never say watch out for the snakes on your plane Genesis 37, 18 through 20, his brothers conspire against him to betray him and kill him. And they decided to throw him in a pit with no water. And the Bible says while they threw him in a pit with no water, they sat next to his pit eating. Ain't that just like a snake? They threw him in a pit while I sitting over here. Man, this show is some good. You want your cornbread? Watch this, watch this. And look at how they do it. Just look at verse 20, though. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into some pit. And we're going to say, what are they doing? They're conspiring together. Snakes hang out. So when you find one, whoever's connected to them is guilty by association. Stop talking about, well, they ain't like that. Yes, they are. You know why they haven't been bit? Because they are one. That's why I don't just watch the circle of people around me. I check their circles too. Because if you ain't been bit by a snake, you ain't dealing with side effects. You're the snake that creates side effects. Watch the text, church. 
Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him in some pit. And we shall say, listen to this, we're going to make up something about him because we can't tell the truth about him. Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what becomes of his dreams. We shall see what becomes of his church. We shall see what becomes of her life. We shall see what becomes of this vision. We shall see what becomes of them being on Tim. We shall see what becomes of their marriage. We shall see what becomes of their children. We shall see. They threw him in a pit with no water while they ate after stripping him of what signified his assignment. See, Joseph's daddy had given him a coat of many colors. It's called a tunic of many colors. And that was unique to him. That represented his assignment. That represented his distinction. Check it. They strip it off of him. Watch this. And then they say, well, what are you going to do now that you don't have that? And the pit was pitiful. The pit represents hurt. The pit represents shame. The pit represents all of these emotions coming to rise at one moment. Then, watch this, they sold him into slavery. Now, it's interesting because one of his brothers said, why, why kill him? Why not make some money off of it? He said, why kill him? Why not try to take what he has and make some money off of him? Because his brothers didn't love him. They loved what they could do for him. Now, I know this is raw, but just touch your neighbor and say, we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it. Try to another neighbor and say, we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Then they dipped his tunic in blood, and they took it back to his daddy, Jacob, and watch this. Here's what they said to Jacob. They said, is this your son's tunic? Check it out. Not, is this our brother's tunic? They said, is this your son's tunic? They didn't call him their brother. They said he was Jacob's sons. Watch this. When you're successful, people will kiss you, then diss you. It's just a side effect. It's just a side effect. Touch your neighbor says, just a side effect. It's just a side effect. Baby, you just got revealed to you that you're more successful than you knew. If you didn't been dissed by some folks. Uh -uh. Snakes on your plane. Here's number four. Snakes will say untrue things. Betrayal is followed by lies and people that believe them. And betrayal normally occurs just before prior, uh, just prior to defining moments. If you study the text, you'll discover that Joseph, when he's sold into slavery, he's sold into some Israelites, they eventually take him into Egypt, the land he would rule. Which meant that was his defining moment. That's why when he sees his brothers, the Bible says that he weeps uh, when he initially sees them. And then he goes back and forth about how he's going to treat them because he's like, yeah, back then you didn't want me. Now that I'm hot, y'all up on me. So Joseph is like, I'm the prime minister. If I say kill you, all these dudes in here for come in here and kill you. If I say let you live, they're going to do whatever I say. Because Pharaoh said, uh, only in regard to the throne is he greater than me. You hear? Watch this. It was a defining moment. They sold him into slavery, which they hoped would be his end. They didn't know they were going to have to see him again. Let me speak into somebody's life. What you thought was going to be your end. It's just going to be the method you come again. Y'all don't even know how to receive what I'm saying. Touch your neighbor and say, that's not your end. Watch this, 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 watch this. When you're successful, you have to realize you will be betrayed by snakes. Betrayal is the breaking of a contract, trust, or confidence. And you can only be betrayed by someone you trust. And the bigger the success you are, the bigger the betrayal you'll encounter. It's just a side effect. Touch your neighbor and say, it's just a side effect. Oh, by the way, the one that led the effort to sell him didn't get away with it. Because in Genesis 38, God killed his firstborn and his life was hell from that moment on. Be careful who you betray. 
You need he. Watch this, watch this church. Watch this church. In Genesis 38, it's so amazing because in Genesis 37, it ends talking about Jacob. Go to the last verse in Genesis 37 so we can see this. It, God throws it in here just so that when we read it two, uh, thousands of years later, we know God said, that may have been a side effect, but I just want you to know I still going to take care of that. Amen. Go to the last verse in Genesis 37. Put that verse up. The last verse in Genesis 37. Watch this. It ends talking about Genesis 37, the last verse. It ends talking about Joseph. And then in Genesis 38, see, uh, thank you. So the Midianites had sold them into Egypt to who? Potiphar. So that we're going to pick up the next, we're going to pick up the next side effect there. An officer in Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Now, who is it talking about? Joseph. Now watch Genesis 38.1. It came to pass at that time, Judah. Well, if you read the text, Judah was one of the ones leading the effort to sell him. And if you read the text, it goes on. The scripture says that God, watch this, God, watch this, God, watch this, not the devil, God killed his firstborn. What would have been a worse insult to a Hebrew man than his firstborn not be alive? Genesis 38 and 7, read it for yourself. Judas firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord. You read it. Come on, don't get scared now. You read it now. Why would the Bible talk about Joe? We talking about Jojo. How are we going from Joseph to talking about Judah and Tamar? That's a, that was, was one of the words in Genesis 38. How do we get there? Because God said, I just want you to know that I saw what Joseph was doing or Judah was doing. And I just want you to know I got him. You don't get bitter. You just get better. You don't get even. You just let me handle that. You stop trying to retaliate. You just let me take care of that. Because there is a chapter 38 coming for every snake on the plate. In fact, if you see a snake tomorrow, y'all just, oh, no, I ain't going to tell you to do that. Yes, I am. You see a snake tomorrow, just tell them 38, 38, 38, 38, 38. What that mean? 38. 38. No, don't do that. Don't, don't. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing, church. Here's the next thing, church. Here's the next thing. Here's the fifth side effect. Say fifth side effect. Sly will call. Uh, Sly will call. I did a series called Summer Concert Series that you got to get where I teach about this principle. It was based off of this song that was in pop culture years and years ago. And the song said, When Sly Calls. And so it was this song and we went through it and I taught you the spiritual principles using songs. Now watch this. Sly simply means by definition deceitful and cunning. It is a side effect of success that people around you will have sly motives. I'm doing the best I can. It's a side effect. Of, see, you don't even realize how successful you already are. And so folk will come around you with sly motives, deceitful and cunning motives. And this is seen when Joseph is sold into slavery to Potiphar, who was captain of Pharaoh's guard. Potiphar is like one of uh, Pharaoh's generals. Watch this. And Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph to creep with her. Creep with her means to get involved with her in an inappropriate way. It's quiet, church. So I creep. Don't finish. 
I said, don't finish. Lift your hands, church. We're going to have massive deliverance right now. <laughs> massive deliverance. Now, watch this, church. Watch this, Harvest. Watch this. Watch this. The book says, from Genesis 39, 7 through 11, let's just walk the verses out. The book says, the book says, the book says that, uh, 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 and it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife, watch this, cast longing eyes on Joseph. What came to pass? She recognized his success. And the book also says he was good looking. That's what the Bible says. Now watch this. She cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Look at the next verse. But he refused. Now wait a minute. Leave the verse up. You think Joseph, after being betrayed, would act like what happened to him. But Joseph said, I'm not going to let what happened to me get in me. I was betrayed, but I'm not going to be a betrayer. I was lied on, but I'm not lying on people. Stop thinking you have to do to others what was done to you. You are the interruption to that drama. He said, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house as he has committed to me uh, all that he has to my hand. Keep going. There is no one greater in the house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He said, why are you even asking me to betray the man that gave me a shot? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her. Wait a minute, because when Sly calls, she calls all day. He calls all day. They call all day. The book says, as she spoke to Joseph day by day. The Bible doesn't say how many days this goes on, but we do know, watch this, we do know, based on most estimates, that Joseph served in Potiphar's house for 10 years. So I want to know how long Oh, girl. Oh, girl is an urban colloquialism which refers to a woman over there. Oh, girl. Oh, dude. Urban colloquialisms, folks. Got to read your Bibles. All right, watch this. <laughs> so it was as she spoke to Joseph when? Day by day. Here's what you need to know about deceivers a deceiver is a master manipulator. I just want to go to lunch. Let's catch up over some ketchup. Let's just go to the art gallery and see the gallery of art. They're not going to come up and tell you, I've been sent by the devil to ruin your life. Are you going to make this easy now? They won't do that. It's day by day. It's little message by little message. It's little bit by little bit. Sly motives. Deceitful intentions. So it was as he spoke to Joseph day by day. He did not heed her. So which means she got from just suggesting to demanding. Now Joseph, you're going to come in here and see me. The thirst is real. Verse. He didn't heed her. I wonder what she said about him because he wouldn't give in to her. See, when you won't lie with people, they'll lie on you. 
He did not heed her to lie with her or, watch this, or to be with her. <laughs> I love the Bible. Oh, my God, I love the Bible. Lead of herself. I love the Bible. Joe was like, ain't nothing going to happen in there or anywhere. We used to never, ever, ever, never, ever even remotely think. He said, I won't sleep with you, nor will I even have a side relationship with you. I am Joseph. I'm a success. Thought you knew. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Some of y'all got some Potiphar's wives. And it might be a dude, might be a woman, might be this, might be that. You better be careful because it's a trap. Whenever slack calls. I figured the church would get quiet. If you ain't had slack call, hey, slack. Since Joseph wouldn't lie with her, she, go ahead, so verse 11, though, watch it. But it happened about this time when Joe went into the house to do his work. None of the men were in the house. Now, only if he was, if he was in charge, who else had the power to send the men out the house? She did. So she said, oh, no. Oh, no. She said, I am the cougar queen. You understand? <laughs> She said, I'm going to get my man. She sends all the guys out of the house. Since we're in the Bible, let's just keep reading. Then it goes on. Then it goes on. Next verse. Come on, next verse. That she caught him by his garment. Now, I love the Bible. Caught him by his garment. Which implies she started chasing. Joe was like, ah! And then she was like, come here, boy. That's what the, I love the Bible. She caught him. And so she grabbed him. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. She said, I don't even want a relationship no more. Just lay down with me. This ain't even got to be legit. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. See, Joseph, watch this, say side effects. I'm done uh, on this last one. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph said, you know what? I could do this. The problem is, that's not who I am. Watch this. I've been betrayed, but I hit reset. I've been treated poorly by who should have loved me, but I hit reset. And he said, you know what? He said, listen, uh, and notice, here's what I love about the Bible. We don't even know her name because God deems her that unimportant. Says, I don't want to record her name. I just want you to see what Sly does. You don't need to know her name. You don't need to know the Hebrew of her name. You don't need to know the Greek of her name. You don't need to know the Latin of her name. You don't need to know the Vulgate of her name. You don't need to know any of that. Some of y'all don't even know what is the Vulgate? Who is a vampire? No, wasn't. He said, You don't need to know any of that. He said, I just want you to see how Sly acts. You don't need to know their name. Because it'll take another form in your life. So the name's insignificant. Got it? What if Sly wasn't a person? What if Sly was the way you used to think? What if it's how you push people away that you should pull close and that you put, uh, pull close people that you should put out here? It's quiet up in here. Well, watch this. Watch this. Uh, since Joseph wouldn't lie with her, she lied on him. The story goes on. She goes to Potiphar. She's like, Joseph tried to take advantage of me. 
Now, here's my question. Why didn't Joe ever go tell on her? I'm going to help somebody. He was so loyal, his loyalty to her was undeserved. And he was so loyal that he didn't know when he shouldn't have been given loyalty. Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. He was like, if I do the right thing by a snake, the snake will do the right thing by me. Knowing that when you're dealing with a snake, that ain't how it works. Why, Bishop? That's why Jesus told the apostles, apostello in the Greek, the sent ones. You know what he told them? Be as gentle as a wise serpent. Not snake, serpent. What serpent mean in Hebrew? Deceiver. He said, I'm going to need y'all to think like snakes so that you can recognize them and won't be taken advantage of by them. It's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy, right? It's an interesting dichotomy, church, because, because why would Jesus tell his guys you need to know how deceivers think? He wasn't saying to be a deceiver. He was saying you need to know how they think. Joseph's loyalty transcended to her when it should have stopped. Because the moment she was like, Joe, you need to be like, hold on, say that a little louder. Guys, y'all listening? Say it again, part of his wife. Because they didn't have phones and stuff, you know what I'm saying, all that. So he said, y'all heard her? Okay, all right, good. Okay, I'll be back, I'll be back, I'll be back. Going to part of his office. Part of her? Whoop, there it is. I just wanted you to know what you got up in there. Because Potiphar, once I'm gone, she's going to do it to the next guy too. Because some folks just ain't loyal. That's just what they do. That's what he should have done. He thought, because how many years went by that he said nothing? We don't know. How many years went by where he covered her? He didn't reveal what she was doing the whole time. To then only have it go in another way and then she just makes up something about him. It's quiet in here. When you're successful, that's just the side effect. Sly will call. That's just the side effect. Watch this. Watch this. At, watch this. They, you'll have people that want something from you, and if you don't give it, they'll try to crucify you. And that's just what she did. She said, you ain't going to give me what I want? She tried to crucify him. And that sent Joseph to a prison. But here's what I love about the Bible. Not just any prison. He goes... Into Pharaoh's prison because Potiphar is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. So they don't send him, you know, just to, you know, I don't know, county or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Now, please don't nobody be offended, okay? Just, I'm trying to just, just work, just let me work it, okay? They send him to the nice, one of them nice ones. They send him to the federal, where they, where they, where, where they send the white collar criminals. Is that it? You know, where they go, you know, they playing tennis. <laughs> I need another towel, guard. I need another towel. <laughs> Here's the point I'm trying to make. Is that even in his worst moment, God still cleaned it up for him. No, you missed the point. You missed the point. Even in what should have been a deep valley, God makes sure the valley is nice for him. When you're successful, God says, even in your worst moments in your valleys, I'm going to clean that up for you. What's this? What's this? That's why, what's this? Bishop, how do I know the Lord cleaned it up for me? 
because you don't look like what you've been through. Who am I talking to? You didn't been through some stuff. And if people only knew half of your story, they'd sit back and say, oh my God, how in the world did you do all of that? Why? Because when you're successful, he'll clean it up. So he goes to Pharaoh's prison. And not, he's just not a prisoner there. He's just not, you know, doesn't have a number, you know. The Bible says he gets promoted. How you get promoted in prison? Now, I know what some of y'all think of, but Bishop, you know, they just, you know, they made him the, the chief dishwasher. No. You know, they made him the chief cook. No. They make him the warden of the prison while he's a prisoner himself. They're like, Joe, you got the keys? Got them. How did he go, like, how did he, when it was time for him to go back into his own cell? Everybody's in here, everybody in here, everybody in here. Here's the point, church. Because he was successful, the Bible calls him, he always found a way up. Let me talk to you to tell you who you are. Because you're already successful and maybe don't even know it, you always find a way up. Touch your neighbor and say, I always find a way up. Let me say it another way. You always find a way to win. <laughs> Shut your neighbor say, that's what I do. I win. That's what I do. Yep, I may get knocked out, but I'll get back up. I may get knocked down, but I'll get back up. I always find a way to win. Watch this. I got to close it. Watch this, church. Here's the sixth side effect. While he's in prison. Here's the sixth side effect. The Steelers will steal. Steelers were steal. Not the team Steelers. They might steal though too. Oh no. The Steelers were steal. He was interpreting dreams while in prison. So check this out. Joseph, he's a bad man. Joseph's sitting in prison. He's the warden of the prison. He got guys reporting to him while he is in prison. And while he's sitting in prison, you know what he's doing? He's interpreting dreams. He was gifted to do that. Not because he read three Bible scriptures and calling folks at work talking about I can interpret dreams. Okay, anybody coming up to you talking about they're doing that, they're probably lying. In the scripture, there was only the, the gift of the apostle could do it, and, and then there were only two other men in the Bible that could do that. So I don't know how all, your, all the out-of-order women in your family can do it. I just got the gift of dream interpretation. So in 6,000 years of biblical history, two dudes and those gifted apostolically could do it, but you... It got real quiet. And people on your job, you know, with eight, you know, parking lot profits. Don't go to church. Ain't submitted to nobody. Won't follow no order, but they got a word from the Lord. They want to email you a devotional. Send you a YouTube clip. And them preaching at their dining room table. Please watch this. He's interpreting the dreams, church, while in prison. After being promoted to be the warden of the prison, he's currently in. And he asks one of the guys that he interprets his dream not to forget about him. And he does. This guy gets back in front of Pharaoh. He forgets about him. Joseph sits in there longer. Watch this. Um, watch this. This guy steals his time, 
Because Joe's still sitting in there, and he could have got out. All he needed was one advocate who had an audience with Pharaoh, and he forgot about him. Hmm. Watch this. When you're successful, watch this, church, you will be stole from. Just a side effect. Bishop, what do you mean? They'll steal your time, your ideas. They'll quote you without citing you. They'll burn your preaching CDs without buying them. They'll take your logos and... <laughs> What's this? People will steal. In the South, we had a saying. If you lie... Watch the jump. Watch the jump. Watch this. It goes from lie to steal. It goes from steal. Watch this. Way over here. To what's the last one? Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're still here. Watch this. Now, watch this. When you're successful, you have to get used to the fact that you will be stolen from. It's a side effect of success. And it's quiet, church. Now, I'm not talking about you letting somebody up in your house and, you know, they taking stuff and you say, that's just a side effect. <laughs> no, it should be some trouble <laughs> going on in that moment. In the Bible, they call the deacons over for that kind of stuff. They didn't call the popo. They didn't call the police. They called the deacons. And the deacons came with enforcements. For example, can, can I just teach you for just a moment? I'm done. In, in the days of the scripture, <clears throat> and even in some perhaps orthodox communities today um, of a Hebrew origin, they would call the deacons, the diaconate, the servants. They would call them over. And so if somebody was out of order, if they did, uh, did what was called communal sin, meaning if it was sin, if they were doing wrong and everybody else knew about it, they had to confront it because they knew by permitting it that they were permitting a curse to be in the camp. So what they would do is so the deacons would get together and so deacons would go over there and be like, you know, deacon, come on, let's go. We got to go take care of some business. And, you know, so-and-so ain't doing right. They ain't doing what we said. And they ain't doing this and this and that and this and that. And so let's go handle it. So they show up. Oh, some dudes from the church. Did y'all let the dudes from the church here? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, some dudes from the church. Come on here. Hey, um, what are you doing? What is all that? What are you, what is this here? Why are you doing all that? Right. You got 15 minutes to get that together. And in 16 minutes, if it ain't together, you got to go up out this camp. Why? Why? Because they understood that what they permitted corporately, they would be guilty of individually. Whole separate thing. Back to the regularly scheduled message. When you're successful, any successful people in here? You just need to understand that that's what happened. So that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph, he says, don't forget about me. This guy forgets about him. He takes all of these wonderful things, this wonderful dream that, is, that he interprets for, and the guy forgets about him. And the guy just stole his time, stole his energy until one day. Until one day. Until one day. Now, now watch this. Now, Joseph's journey 
Watch this. Watch this. Joseph's journey. Y'all here? Joseph's journey. We started reading about him when he's in Genesis 37 at about what age? He was 17. Good. Y'all got that. There we go. That, that, that 20% though earlier we were a little. Amen. We're going to receive the grace and the glory of Jesus today. Now watch this. The book says that the guy eventually remembers him. Got it? Because when you're successful, you cannot be forgotten. See, some of y'all saying, I did all this for people. I did all this. I did all. You cannot be forgotten. It may be temporary. Cannot be forgotten. So the Bible says that the guy eventually remembers him and then he brings in, he says, I know this guy, this guy Joseph, he was a young Hebrew. He was, he was, he was locked up with me. We was gathering all this, all that, all that. And so he brings him on. He comes and he stands in front of Pharaoh. The Bible says Joseph was 30. It took him 13 years. 13 years of side effects. Come on, church. It took him 13 years of side effects. Give me that scripture that says what holy is. It gives him 13 years of what? Side effects. 13 years of what? Side effects. 13 years of what? Side effects. I need you to catch it. I need you to catch it. You haven't caught it yet. 13 years of side effects. 13 years of side effects. You're not with me. 13 years of side effects. You're not hearing me. 13 years of side effects. You, st you, you still don't have it. 13 years of side effects. Mm, so you don't get it. 13 years of not yet. But so close. Thirteen years of might happen. Nope. Thirteen years of feels like a breakthrough. Ah, false alarm. How many years? Thirteen years. How many years? Thirteen years. Now, here's here's can I help you? When you're successful, you need to realize dealers will steal. You also need to realize that even in your side effects, God will still call you a success. Even if the major thing hasn't happened yet. Okay, say 13 years. Now, watch this. While Jacob, or excuse me, while Joseph is in Egypt. Now, now let me tell you why y'all missed your shout. You missed your shout. Because if it took Joseph 13 years and he stayed faithful and loyal the whole time. I don't know about you, but on your journey, have you maybe had some times where maybe your faithfulness, <laughs> your loyalty, your dedication maybe wavered a little bit. Let me tell somebody, the reason you cannot give up now, the reason you can't get distracted now, it's because you might be right at that 13th spot. Matter of fact, let me go on and prophesy to it. You not might be there.
because this year you're on 10 in the name of Jesus I declare that this is the year where you stand before Pharaoh Bishop this is the year where you stand in the manifestation of the great things God has ordained this is the year you'd be on 10 watch this Joseph has two sons while he's in Egypt now watch this it should have a new meaning for us now he has two sons I've taught on the two sons before he has two sons. How many sons? One is named Ephraim. One is named Manasseh. Ephraim's name means double fruitful. Double fruitful. And he did it in his 30s. No, I'm, I'm trying to tell somebody, you ain't too young for it to happen. And let me tell somebody that's a little bit older, you ain't too old for it to happen. Touch your neighbor and say, you're at the right age. You're at the right age. You, you, your best days, baby, you walking into them now. Your greatest victories, you walking into them now. You ain't too young, you ain't too old, you're just right. How many sons does he have? I'm done. There's two sons while he's in Egypt. Ephraim, double fruitful. Say double fruitful. It's an old preaching term. God will give you double. He really will, though. His son's name means double fruitful. Double fruitful. Double fruitful. Y'all remember that? Uh, did they still sell double fruit gum? The double, what they call it? Double mint. I used to, I don't have gum no more. I don't, I don't eat or, you know, chew gum anymore. Well, I guess I ate it because I was like, I want all the sweet out of mine. So I would, I chew real hard and then swallow. And I remember getting scared sometimes when I would swallow like it was going to get stuck. Don't look at me like that. Like you didn't think the same thing when you were. So, so I wanted all the flavor out of mine. I was like, you know, there's some more flavor in there. I can, I sense it by the Holy Ghost. I sense it. I want everything I paid for. But watch this. Um, double fruit, double fruit, double fruit, double results. And when did he get it? He had been sowing for it the whole 13 years. And then it manifests for him all of a sudden just like that. Let me prophesy to somebody else. You've been sowing for years. And it's time for the manifestation of fruitfulness, productivity, results. And it's going to happen just like that. But watch. But he has a second son whose name is Manasseh. Say Manasseh, church. Manasseh's name means, good job, God made me forget. Wait a minute. In essence, in essence, I hit the reset button. Y'all missed him. And when I hit reset, who's the firstborn? Manasseh. Who's the firstborn? Reset. What did he get after he reset? Double. I came to prophesy in somebody's life tonight. The reason we hit reset this month is because God says, I'm ready to pay you back for all the trouble, for all the toil, for all of the issues. For, uh. Touch your name and say double fruitful, double fruitful, double fruitful. You didn't respond to that the right way. 
I was done preaching 15 minutes ago. I just need to make sure you catch it. Go back to Manasseh. Go back to that verse. Joseph called the name of the what? Talk to me, church. What did he name his firstborn? Manasseh means? What does that mean in simple terms? Reset. See, watch this. If I reset, what I'm saying is, Kairos, that's a wrap to all of that. Action to this. So really, what does Manasseh's name really mean? Reset. Once he clicked reset, he got The reason you've been in so much pain is because you weren't laboring for just any old manifestation. You ain't been laboring just for any old blessing. You ain't been laboring just for any old breakthrough. Baby, you're having twins. This is double. This is double. Ah! Yeah! But wait a minute, though. <laughs> wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. When Jacob, Joseph's father, is getting ready to die, watch this. I'm trying to say, watch this. Watch this just came out. He was supposed to put his right hand. Y'all, come here. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. There you go. Thank you, Jim. All right. Kind of so tall. Just kind of. <laughs> watch this. He was supposed to. When a Hebrew father was blessing his son. This is why they teach bishops, they teach us we guard our right hand because that's the hand that the blessing flows from. He was supposed to put his right hand on Manasseh's head, the older son, the reset, and his left hand on Ephraim's head, the younger son. Here's what he does when Joseph says, bless my sons, my father. Here's what he does. And Joseph looks at him and says, Father, what you're doing is wrong. You're not supposed to cross it like that. He said, Joseph, what you don't understand is you don't, y'all don't even know when to shout in church. Y'all don't even know when to shout in church. He was giving you and I a symbol years later. Touch your neighbor say, you on 10. The best of the best, best of the best people, places, things, Watch this, I'm done. He said, he said, Joseph, you've been so faithful. You've been so dedicated. You've been so loyal. You've done everything I told you to do. Watch this, I'm done. Say double fruitful. Hear me, church. Most of you are already successful and just didn't know it. How you know, Bishop? We checked your side effects. And when we checked your side effects, your side effects revealed to us what's really going on. What's really going on is you're already a success. I'm done. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. 
They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.